This one's a fan favorite, but then that shouldn't be any surprise because look who wrote it. So why on earth would the fans love the obligatory Fantastic Voyage homage, where a bunch of Autobots shrink down and crawl around inside Megatron? Hard to say. Yes, nobody really knows why the fans like what they like. It's a mystery. We open with an archaeological dig where a guy pulls a clay pot right out of the ground, which is totally how archaeologists work. My ex-wife was one. She was all the time just yanking objects straight from the earth like that. Seriously, she was never not doing it. Oh, one of the archaeologists has blue hair. You gotta have blue hair. She ends up unearthing something much cooler than a clay pot. Turns out the ship Megatron followed the Autobots to Earth and crashed as well, and it contains something called the Heart of Cybertron, which they totally mentioned in the pilot. Seriously, you can go check. I'll wait here till you get back. Wait, what do you mean they didn't mention it? You actually went and checked? Sucker. So meanwhile, the Autobots are busy setting up that they have shrinking technology. New scientist character Perceptor takes a microchip out of Ironhide, grows it large, then repairs it and shrinks it again. Which is actually kind of cool. And the first time we can actually use the words cool and chip in the same sentence. Ironhide and Braun complain that smashing is better than fixing, which is basically that whole basketball argument from the Master Builders all over again. Bumblebee comes in and defends Perceptor as a valuable member of the team, which is a pretty good indication of just how low on the totem pole Perceptor must be. I mean, I know he's a new guy and he's kind of a nerd, but if Bumblebee has to defend you, man. Then again, maybe Bumblebee should just keep his mouth shut. Remind the only one who sees the Decepticon insignia here. Optimus and the gang hear that there's trouble in South America, so they start driving. Ah, come on, David Wise, you know better. Or is it just established precedent that they can drive to Peru at this point? I guess we're in season two now, so it's stopped being ridiculous and it's started being continuity. Man, even when he's making the same stupid mistakes as everyone else, this guy's still kind of a decent writer. Meanwhile, in the jungle, that's what we call rainforests in the 80s, there's a series of fairly amusing sight gags as Ravage gets attacked by an actual jungle cat and Starscream gets attacked by a snake while everyone else watches and laughs at him. Scavenger leads Megatron to the ship using some kind of delicate sensor, which makes a sniffing sound. They cut into their ship and he snatches the heart of Cybertron, which looks more like a cross between a green glow stick and an everlasting gobstopper to me. He implants the thing inside him, which suddenly gives him all kinds of freaky powers. Alright, fine, whatever. It's certainly no dumber than most things he's tried. And at least we're moving away from solar energy and the Earth's molten core. So yeah, Megatron's pretty much unstoppable with this thing. Except, oh yeah, there's that guy who can make smoke. I guess that's useful somehow. Man, is this going to be our new catch-all solution to every problem? Do these guys just play a little too much Spy Hunter between seasons or something? This buys the Autobots a little time, which they use to blow up the hill they've been fighting on. Because who cares about all those priceless Mayan artifacts? We have a war to win! So they limp home and ask Perceptor to repair them. And Braun somehow finds a way to complain about this. Because he's a dick. Maybe he's angry that he has a bad haircut molded right into his head. Or maybe all the original Autobots are going to be like this about the new guys. Like a child being jealous of a new sibling. Prime has some retarded plan involving a force field, which is never really explained. But Perceptor being the smart one is a better idea. Shrink down real tiny, crawl inside Megatron, and steal that glowy gobstopper. And because Prime's such a brilliant leader, he decides to send Braun along with Perceptor, since they get along so well. Actually, it seems like they're all being punished, because they have to stay confined in a tiny box inside Powerglide the whole way there. And if there's one thing terrible comedians like Powerglide love, it's a captive audience. Okay, I don't usually do this, but these are special circumstances. I'm going to show you this entire next scene without interruption, because it's so goddamn brilliant the way it is. Decepticons, a toast! To the imminent destruction of the accursed Autobots! Energy! We 
won't need to conserve it after tomorrow. We can bleed this planet dry! <laughs> Boy, these are good. <laughs> I needed to refuel. Energy! Powerglide drops his payload and the Decepticons attempt to react, but not one of them would blow under a .20 on the, um, Energon scale. So our little commando team fights their way through Megatron's inner defenses. It's all pretty cool, but I gotta tell you, I'm still puzzling over the logic of Energon intoxication at this point. And from a comedy standpoint, I'm at a loss. How the hell do I follow a scene like that? I mean, there's this bit where they make it to Megatron's brain and Braun decides to start smashing it. But then that just brings me back to the ways that Energon and alcohol are similar. Do they kill brain cells every time they recharge? Really, there's so many implications here. The episode ends pretty much how you think. Perceptor's brains save the day and Braun apologizes for being a dick. But at least they don't make out like Mirage and Cliffjumper at the end of Traitor. Or at least we fade to black before they do. And now it's time for this week's science lesson. A Transformer does not choose to be evil. He's born that way. Brain impulses. Evil brain impulses. Yes, those little sperm demons are what drive Megatron's evil thoughts. <laughs> 